0: part three of myths and legends of the mississippi valley and the great lakes by catherine barry judson this librivox recording is in the public domain Manabozho and west Ojibwa. manabozo lived with his grandmother nokomis the earth on the edge of a wide prairie the first sound he heard was that of an owl he quickly climbed down the tree and he ran to nokomis noko he cried i have heard a monito nokomis said what kind of a noise did it make it said coho coho said manabozho oh it is only a bird said nokomis one day manabozho thought it is very strange i know so little and grandmother is so wise i wonder if i have any father or mother he went back to the wigwam he was very silent what is the matter said nokomis manabozho asked have i no father or mother Now his mother had died when he was a very little baby, but Nokomis did not want to tell him. At last she said, West is your father. He has three brothers. They are north, east, and south. They have great power. They travel on mighty wings. Your mother is not alive. Manabozho said, I will visit my father, but he meant to make war on him, because he had learned that his father had not been kind to his mother, and he meant to punish him. Manabozo started on his journey. He traveled very rapidly. He went very far at each step, so at last he met his father, West, on the top of a high mountain. West was glad to see his son. Manabozo pretended to be glad. They talked much. One day. the son asked, "What are you most afraid of on earth?" Well, nothing said West Manabozo said, "Oh, yes, there must be something." At last, West said, There is a black stone on earth. I am afraid of that. If it should strike me, it would injure me. West said this was a great secret. One day he asked Manabozho, What are you most afraid of? Nothing, was the answer. Oh, yes, there must be something you are afraid of, said West. The sun said, ee, 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 ee. It is, it is. He seemed afraid to mention it. West said, "'Don't be afraid.' Then at last his son said, "'It is the root of the Apuqua, the bulrush.' They quarrelled because West had not been kind to the mother of Manabozo. Some days later they quarrelled. Manabozo said, "'I will get some of the black rock.' "'Oh, no, do not do so!' cried West. "'Oh, yes,' said his son. West said at once, "'I will get some of the Apuqua root.' "'Oh, no!' cried Manabozho, pretending to be afraid. "'Do not! Do not!' "'Oh, yes!' said West. Monabozo at once went out and brought to his father's wigwam a large piece of black rock. West pulled up and brought in some bulrush roots. Manabozho threw the black rock at West. It broke in pieces. Therefore you may see pieces lying around even to this day. West struck his son with the bulrush root. Thus they fought.' But at last Manabozho drove west far over the plains to the darkening land. So west came to the edge of the world, where the earth is broken off short. Then he cried, Stop, my son, I am immortal, therefore I cannot be killed. I will remain here on the edge of the earth plain. You must go about doing good. You must kill monsters and serpents and all evil things. All the kingdoms of the earth are divided, but at the last you may sit with my brother north." FOOTNOTE. Back retreated Mujaquius, rushing westward o'er the mountains, stumbling westward down the mountains. Three whole days retreated, fighting, still pursued by Hiawatha to the doorways of the west wind, to the portals of the sunset. Hold! At length cried Mujacuius. Hold, my son, my Hiawatha. Tis impossible to kill me, for you cannot kill the immortal Hiawatha. END FOOTNOTE thus Manzabozo became the northwest wind manabush and the great fish menominee after his brother wolf had died manabush looked about him he found he was no longer alone on earth there were many other people the children of nokomis they were his aunts and uncles the evil manidos annoyed the people very much therefore manabush Wished to destroy them. Therefore, he went to the shores of the lake where they lived. He called to the waters to disappear. Four times he called out. At once the waters vanished. There lay the Anamaqui. They lay on the mud in the bottom of the lake. They looked like fishes. The chief lay near the shore. He was very large. Manabush said to Great Fish, I shall destroy you because you will not allow my people to come near the shore. So he went towards the Great Fish but the smaller manitos caused the waters to return. Thus they all escaped. Then Manabush went into the woods. He made a canoe of birch bark. He wanted to destroy great fish in the water. As he left the shore in his canoe, he began to sing, "'Great fish, come and swallow me!' Only the young fish came near. Manabush said scornfully, "'I do not wish you. I want your chief to come and swallow me!' Great fish was much annoyed he darted forward and swallowed Manabush and his canoe. Thus Manabush found himself in the great fish. He looked around him. Many of his people were there—bear and deer, porcupine and raven, buffalo, pine-tree squirrel, and many others. Manabush said to Buffalo, My uncle, how did you get here? I never saw you near the water, but always on the prairie. Buffalo said, I came near the lake to get some fresh green grass. "'Great fish caught me.' And thus said all the animals. They said we came near the lake, and great fish swallowed us. Then Manabush said, "'We will now have to go to the shore of Nokomis, my grandmother. You will all have to help me.' At once they all began to dance around inside of great fish. Therefore he began to swim quickly towards shore.' manabush began to cut a hole over his head so they could get out when great fish reached the shore of nokomis the earth they sang a magic song they sang i see the sky i see the sky pine squirrel had a curious voice he hopped about singing sek 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 this was very amusing to the other people great fish thought i ought not to have swallowed that man i must swim to the shore where nokomis lives so he swam quickly until he reached the beach then manabush cut a larger hole thus they all climbed out of great fish the birds helped manabush they stood on the sides of great fish and picked the flesh from his bones footnote and again the sturgeon Nama heard the shout of hiawatha heard his challenge of defiance the unnecessary tumult ringing far across the water In his wrath, he darted upward, flashing, leaped into the sunshine, opened his great jaws, and swallowed both canoe and Hiawatha. Hiawatha, end footnote. The departure of Manabush, Menominee. Now Manabush was going away. He went to Mackinaw. When he reached there, he made a high, narrow rock, and this he leaned against the cliff. This rock is as high as an arrow can be shot from a bow. At this place he was seen by his people for the last time. Before he went, he talked with them. Manabush said, I am going away now. I have been badly treated by other people who live in the land about you. I shall go across a great water towards the rising sun, where there is a land of rocks. There I shall set up my wigwam. When you hold a uh, mita and are all together, you shall think of me. When you speak my name, I shall hear you whatever you ask that i will do then Manabush spoke no more to his people he entered the canoe then he went slowly over the great water to the land of rocks he vanished from his people as he went towards the rising sun footnote the ojibwas say he went toward the setting sun thus departed hiawatha hiawatha the beloved in the glory of the sunset in the purple mists of evening TO THE REGIONS OF THE HOME WIND OF THE NORTHWEST WIND, KEWADEN, HIAWATHA. END FOOTNOTE THE RETURN OF MANABUSH, Menominee, The uncles of Manabush, the people, used to visit a rock near Mackinac, where the old men said Manabush was living. They built a long lodge there. They sang in their Mita there. Manabush heard them. Sometimes he came to them he appeared as a little white rabbit, trembling, with pink ears, just as he had first appeared to Nokomis, his grandmother. THE REQUEST FOR IMMORTALITY Menominee. One day, long after Manabush had gone away from his people, an Indian dreamed that he spoke to him. At daylight he sought seven friends, chief men of the Metawit. They held a council together, and then rose and went in search of Manabush the dreamer blackened his face. On the shore of the great waters they entered canoes and paddled toward a rocky place in the land of the rising sun. Very long they paddled over the water until they reached the land where dwelt Manabush. Soon they reached his wigwam. Manabush bade them enter. The door of the wigwam lifted and fell again as each one entered. When all were seated, Manabush said, "'My friends, why is it you have come so long a journey to see me?' What is it you wish? All but one answered at once, Manabush, we wish some hunting medicine. Thus we may supply our people with much food. You shall have it, said Manabush. Then he turned to the silent one. He asked, What do you wish? The Indian replied, I wish no hunting medicine. I wish to live forever. Manabush rose and went towards the Indian. He took him by the shoulders and carried him to his sleeping place. He set him down and said, You shall be a stone, thus you shall be everlasting. Immediately the other Indians arose and went down to the shore. In their canoes they returned to their own land. It is from these seven who returned that we know of the abode of Manabush. Peboan and Siguan, Ojibwa Long ago an old man sat alone in his lodge beside a frozen stream, the fire was dying out, and it was near the end of winter. Outside the lodge the cold wind swept before it the drifting snow. So the old man sat alone, day after day, until at last a young warrior entered his lodge. He was fresh and joyous and youthful. The old man welcomed him. He drew out his long pipe and filled it with tobacco. He lighted it from the dying embers of the fire. Then they smoked together." The old man said, I blow my breath, and the streams stand still. The water becomes stiff and hard like the stones. I breathe, said the warrior, and flowers spring up over the plain. I shake my locks, said the old man, and snow covers the land. Leaves fall from the trees. The birds fly away. The animals hide. The earth becomes hard. I shake my locks, said the young man, and the warm rain falls. Plants blossom. THE BIRDS RETURN, THE STREAMS FLOW. THEN THE SUN CAME UP OVER THE EDGE OF THE EARTH PLANE AND BEGAN TO CLIMB THE TRAIL THROUGH THE skyland. THE OLD MAN SLEPT. BEHOLD, THE FROZEN STREAM NEARBY BEGAN TO FLOW. THE FIRE IN THE LODGE DIED OUT. ROBIN SAT UPON THE LODGE-POLES AND SANG. THEN THE WARRIOR LOOKED UPON THE SLEEPING OLD MAN. BEHOLD, IT WAS PEBOAN, THE WINTER-MAKER. FOOTNOTE in his lodge beside a river close beside a frozen river sat an old man sad and lonely white his hair was as a snowdrift dull and low his fire was burning and the old man shook and trembled hearing nothing but the tempest as it roared along the forest, seeing nothing but the snowstorm as it whirled and hissed and drifted, all the coals were white with ashes, and the fire was slowly dying, as a young man walking lightly at the open doorway entered, red with blood of youth his cheeks were, soft his eyes as stars in springtime. Hiawatha End footnote. The Grave Fires Ojibwa A small war party of Ojibwas fought long ago with Indians on an open plain. Then their chief was shot by an arrow in his breast as he rode after the retreating enemy. When his warriors found their chief dead, they placed him, sitting with his back against a tree. They left him there with his bow and arrows. But the chief was not dead. He saw the warriors leave him, and he ran after them as they rode the homeward trail. He followed closely in their trail. He slept in their camp, yet they did not see him. When the war-party reached their own village, they sang the song of victory, yet they sent up the death-wail for those who were killed. The women and children came out. The chief heard his warriors tell of his death. He said, No, I am not dead, but they did not hear him. Then the chief went to his own wigwam. His wife was weeping and wailing for his death. I am here, he said, but she did not hear him. I am hungry," he said. She made no answer. Only she raised again the death whale. Then the chief thought, perhaps only his spirit had returned. Perhaps his body was yet on the field of battle. So he followed the trail back to the battlefield. It was a four days' journey. For three days he saw no one as he journeyed. The fourth day, on the edge of the plain, he saw a fire in his trail. He walked to one side and the other. The fire moved also and always burned before him. Then he turned in another direction. The fire was again in his trail. Then he sprang suddenly and jumped through the flame. At once he awoke. He was sitting on the ground with his back against a tree. Over his head on the branches sat a large war eagle. Now eagle was his guardian, because he had come to him in his fasting vision in his youth. Then the wounded chief arose. He followed the trail of the war-party to his village. Four days he followed the homeward trail. He came to a stream which flowed between him and his wigwam. Therefore he gave the whoop which means the return of an absent friend. Then the Indians began to think. They said, No one is absent. Perhaps it is an enemy. So they sent over a canoe with armed men. Thus the chief landed among his own people then the chief gave them instructions he said it was pleasing to a spirit to have a fire burning at the grave for four days after the body was buried this was because it is four days journey on the death trail to the ghost land so the spirit needed a fire at his camping place every evening also he said the spirit needed his bow and arrow his best robes in his journey Therefore the Ojibwa burn a fire four nights at a new grave that the spirit may be happy in following the trail of the dead to the spirit land. Footnote, thus they buried Minnehaha, and at night a fire was lighted. On her grave four times was kindled, for her soul upon its journey to the islands of the blessed. From his doorway Hiawatha saw it burning in the forest, lighting up the gloomy hemlocks, from his sleepless bed uprising. From the bed of Minnehaha stood and watched it at the doorway, that it might not be extinguished, might not leave her in the darkness. Hiawatha End footnote THE DEATH TRAIL, Choctaw After a man dies, he must travel far on the death trail. It journeys to the darkening land, where sun slips over the edge of the earth plain. Then the spirit comes to a deep, rapid stream. There are steep and rugged hills on each side, so that one may not follow a land trail. The trail of the dead leads over the stream, and the only bridge is a pine log it is a very slippery log and even the bark has been peeled off also on the other side of the bridge are six persons they have rocks in their hands and throw them at spirits when they are just at the middle of the log now when an evil spirit sees the stones coming he tries to dodge them therefore he slips off the log he falls far into the water below where are evil things the water carries him around and around as in a whirlpool And then brings him back again among the evil things. Sometimes evil spirit climbs up on the rocks and looks over the country of the good spirits, but he cannot go there. Now the good spirit walks over safely. He does not mind the stones and does not dodge them. He crosses the stream and goes to a good hunting land. It is more beautiful there than on the earth plain there are no storms, the sky is always blue, and the grass is green, and there are many buffaloes, therefore there is always feasting and dancing. THE DUCK AND THE NORTHWEST WIND Ojibwa. Once Shingabis, the duck, lived all alone in his wigwam on the shore of a lake. It was winter, and very cold. Ice had frozen over the top of the water, Shingabis had but four logs of wood in his wigwam, but each log would burn one month, and there were but four winter months. Footnote And at night Kabibonaka to the lodge came, wild and wailing, heaped the snow in drifts about it, shouted down into the smoke-flue, shook the lodge-poles in his fury, flapped the curtain of the doorway. Shingabis the diver feared not, Shingabis the diver cared not, four great logs had he for firewood one for each moon of the winter and for food the fishes served him by his blazing fire he sat there warm and merry eating laughing singing o kabibonaka you are but my fellow mortal Hiawatha Shingebis had no fear of the cold he would go out on the coldest day he would seek for places where rushes and flags grew through the ice He pulled them up and dived through the broken ice for fish. Thus he had plenty of food. Thus he went to his wigwam, dragging long strings of fish behind him on the ice. Northwest noticed this. He said, Shingabus is a strange man. I will see if I cannot get the better of him. Northwest shook his rattle, and the wind blew colder. Snow drifted high, but Shingabus did not let his fire go out in the worst storms he continued going out seeking for the weak places in the ice where the roots grew northwest noticed this he said shingibus is a strange man i will go and visit him that night northwest went to the door of the wigwam shingibus had cooked his fish and eaten it he was lying on his side before the fire singing songs he sang Kanish, Kanish, bien, bien, bonin, bonin, oki, oki, Kawaya, Kawaya. This meant spirit of Northwest. You are but my fellow man. Now he sang this because he knew Northwest was standing at the door of his wigwam. He could feel his cold breath. He kept right on singing his songs. Northwest said, "Shingabis is a strange man. I shall go inside." Therefore northwest entered the wigwam and sat down on the opposite side of the lodge shingabis lay before the fire and sang spirit of northwest you are but my fellow man then he got up and poked the fire the wigwam became very warm at last northwest said i cannot stand this i must go out shingabis is a very strange man so he went out then Northwest shook his rattles until the great storms came. Thus there was much ice and snow and wind. All the flag roots were frozen in hard ice. Still Shingabis went fishing. He bit off the frozen flags and rushes and broke the hard ice around their roots. He dived for fish and went home, dragging strings of fish behind him on the ice. Northwest noticed this, he said. "'Shingabis must have very strong medicine. "'Some manito is helping him. "'I cannot conquer him. "'Shingabis is a very strange man.' So he let him alone. How the Hunter Destroyed Snow Menominee Once a hunter with his wife and two children lived in a teepee. Each day the hunter went out for game. He was a good hunter, and he brought back much game.' But one day, after autumn had gone and winter had come, the hunter met cone Snow, who froze his feet badly. Then the hunter made a large wooden bowl and filled it with cone. He buried it in a deep hole where the midday sun could shine down upon it, and where Snow could not run away. Then he covered the hole with sticks and leaves, so that Snow would be a prisoner until summer now when midsummer came and everything was warm the hunter came back to this hole and pulled away the sticks and leaves he let the midday sun shine down upon cone so that he melted thus the hunter punished cone but when autumn came again one day the hunter heard someone say to him when he was in the forest you punished me last summer but when winter comes i will show you how strong i am the hunter knew it was Con's voice. He at once built another teepee near the one in which he lived and filled it full of firewood. At last winter came, when the hunter was in the forest one day. He heard Con say, "'Now I am coming to visit you as I said I should. In four days I shall be at your teepee.' When the hunter returned home, he made ready more firewood. He built a fire at the two sides of the teepee. After four days everything became frozen.' it was very cold. The hunter kept up the fires in the teepee. He took out all the extra fur robes to cover his wife and children. The cold became more severe. It was hard not to freeze. On the fifth day, towards night, the hunter looked out from his teepee upon a frozen world. Then he saw a stranger coming. He looked like any other stranger, except that he had a very large head and an immense beard. When he came to the teepee the hunter asked him in. He at once came in, but he would not go near either of the fires. This puzzled the hunter, and he began to watch the stranger. It became colder and colder after the stranger had come into the teepee. The hunter added more wood to each of the fires until they roared. The stranger seemed too warm. The hunter added more wood, and the stranger became warmer and warmer. Then the hunter saw that as he became warm, he seemed to shrink. At last, his head and body were quite small. Then the hunter knew who the stranger guest was. It was Con, the cold. So he kept up his fires until Con melted altogether away. The Pipe of Peace, Ojibwa. In the olden days, so they say, the Indians fought much. Always they followed the war trail. Then Gichimanito, the great mystery, thought, This is not well. My children should not always follow the war trail. Therefore he called a great council. He called all the tribes together. Now this was on the upper Mississippi. Gichimanito stood on a great wall of red rock. On the green plain below him were the wigwams of his children. All the tribes were there. Gichimanito broke off a piece of the red rock. He made a pipe out of it. He made a pipe by turning it in his hands. Then he smoked the pipe, and the smoke made a great cloud in the sky. He spoke in a loud voice. He said, See, my people, this stone is red. It is red because it is the flesh of all tribes. Therefore can it be used only for a pipe of peace when you cease to follow the war trail. Therefore it is the place of peace. To all the tribes it belongs." Then the cloud grew larger, and Gitche Manito vanished in it. Now, therefore, because of the command of Gitche Manito, the Indians smoke the pipe of peace when they cease to follow the war trail, and because it is the place of peace, the tomahawk and the scalping knife are never lifted there. Footnote on the mountains of the prairie on the great red pipestone quarry gichimanito the mighty he the master of life descending on the red crags of the quarry stood erect and called the nations called the tribes of men together i am weary of your quarrels weary of your wars and bloodshed weary of your prayers for vengeance of your wranglings and dissensions Break the redstone from this quarry, mold and make it into peace-pipes, take the reeds that grow beside you, deck them with your brightest feathers, smoke the calumet together. Hiawatha THE THUNDER'S NEST Thunder had a nest where a very small bird sits upon her eggs during fair weather. When an egg hatches, the skies are rent with bolts of thunder." End of part three.